0: Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Today on the podcast, we are walking through the book Replicate, how to create a culture of disciple making right where you are. By Robbie Galady and Chris Wayne, this book comes out June 2nd. And last week we talked about the overview. Today we're going to talk about part one of the book: the problem with disciple making. And one of the great things about this book, and one of the reasons I'm so excited about it, is we don't just give um, nuts and bolts of discipleship. Which we do. And we don't just give a way to gauge whether you're successful, which we also do. And we don't just give you the practical way in which Jesus did it that we each can emulate as a disciple. So, in other words, church leaders can benefit and individuals can benefit. We lay out a pretty strong argument at the beginning of this book that I think will be super helpful and eye opening. Uh, when we first learn some of this information, uh, for instance, this, this uh, question that always blows my mind how do you lose $7 million? people. It is a, a travesty in a sense as to what has happened in in, in one convention, one church uh, pocket of the world. But it's also indicative, I believe, of how the modern church operates. And so we wanted to really kick this thing off with a fairly explosive introduction. And so uh, after a lot of research that LifeWay did, a lot of, a lot of uh, findings that we kind of compiled and worked with Uh, some other much more uh, intelligent people than ourselves, but then also uh, incorporating all the experience that we had. Um, We really wanted to walk you through uh, just kind of a short introduction to why it is such a challenge, why we're not seeing discipleship happen. And when you and I first met, uh, you were the pastor of my church, but when we sat down to meet, one of the things you mentioned to me that really just kind of, and this was, you know, four or five years ago, really caused me to question my my own ministry is you asked me about, you know, making disciples and have I been making disciples? And mm-hmm. honestly, that was never a question that I had ever even heard before from mm-hmm. pastors, from leaders, from lay people. I yeah. mean, I think we all invest in people. I think we all, uh, you know, I, I, I've walked with guys. I mean, for sure, I've discipled unintentionally, mm-hmm. but I've never intentionally thought about actually what this process is that I was walking through and how I might be emulating Christ in doing that.
1: Well, that's what most, that's what most Christians, um, are caught off guard by, I think, is the fact that they've never been asked, are you actively intentionally making disciples? And I think that shows with the research. So let me give you the backstory of how we got here and figured out in the denomination of the Southern Baptist Convention is what we talk about there. We were able to do some research on the inside. And so as Chris said, we, we don't think this is an isolated case. In fact, if you're a part of another denomination, I would guess you're at the same pace or, or even at a more declining pace uh, than we are. But, but here's what happened. Uh, about four years ago, three, four years ago, I was really burdened by the fact I wasn't hearing a lot of discipleship talk in the church. People were talking about conversions. Every time I'd go to a convention or a conference, we were talking about more baptisms. We were talking Mm -hmm. about more decisions. We were talking about greater evangelism, all of which, by the way, we agree with. Right. We agree. We need more evangelism. We need more people saved. We definitely do, but we definitely need to make disciples of the people who have crossed Uh, the threshold of faith. So I went to the president of the North American Mission Board, Kevin Ezell, and I basically lamented to him uh, about the burden of my heart that we're not making disciples. So what he said is basically, you've got the vision, then you lead the mission.
0: That's a great idea, Robbie, but you take care of it.
1: Yeah, that's the adage we use at Long Hollow when people come to us and say, man, I think we ought to start a ministry to bikers. I say, great, you got the vision, you lead the mission. Uh, I think we ought to reach out to uh, single moms who are uh, homeschooling kids in central Tennessee. Okay, great. You know, whatever it is. Okay. So he said, why don't you lead a task force, put together some of the key guys in the convention who can help you investigate the problem of, are we making disciples or not? So, yes. uh, we set out for a year. You were a part of this process. We set out for a year, put got sharp guys like Eric Geiger, uh, mm-hmm. who's out in California right now. We have guys like Johnny Hunt, uh, Adam Dooley, Mark, um, Mark, um, Marshall, who's now in Georgia. Sorry. And so you have a lot of guys who have a lot of experience and are passionate about making disciples. And so we started gathering together and, uh, we found out early on that this was a way bigger task than one year. We were supposed to report in yep. one year in our findings. I mean, 47,000 right. churches, there's no way we couldn't right. do that in one year. So we we're asked to work there an extension. Yeah, we needed an extension. And uh, we got the extension. And then uh, about two years ago, I got up uh, at the convention and reported to the convention, our findings. And here's what we found. Here's the mind blowing thing we found. We wanted to find some information that could help us put our finger on the problem. And what we found is that baptisms in our church over a 20 over a, in our churches, over 20 years, now this is the, the statistic yeah. in 1996, to the year 2016, so we have 20 years, we baptized in the Southern Baptist Convention. Take a guess how many people?
0: Do you want me to take a guess?
1: You take a guess. <laughs> you already know the answer. Tell us what the answer is.
0: <laughs> Actually, Seven, yeah, 7. Yeah.
1: 1 million
0: people. It okay. is in the... Yeah, it's in the title. How do you lose 7 million people? Yeah. 7.1 million people baptized. So 7. 1 what we're people. saying is <laughs> 7 million people moved through our ministries seven million people moved through our ministries to the extent that they heard the gospel and followed and obediently in baptism.
1: Yeah. And that's a big step because
0: it's not just counting numbers,
1: right? That's a little, you know, it's a little easier to do. These are people who have actually taken the step of faith and publicly declared through baptism that they are going to follow Christ the rest of their life. Yeah. Big deal.
0: That is a pretty big deal.
1: Pretty big deal. In 20 years, 20 years ago, 1996, guess what the number of people were that were attending Southern Baptist churches in 1996. Do you know the number, Chris? 5.5 million people close 5,224,000 people to be exact, <laughs> to be exact. Yeah. I've said, I've, I've, I've talked about this before, as you can tell 5,224,000 right. people. Um, and basically, uh, actually 5,242,000 people, I think it is, mm-hmm. uh, roughly, uh, were, were attending in 1996. In, in 20 years after baptizing 7 million people, mm-hmm. guess how many people were attending our churches after the 20-year mark? Now, if you're listening, I want you to think about that. We've added 7 million through baptism. Now, I know what you're thinking. Well, there's attrition. There's, there's uh, people passing away people Mm -hmm. moving on. Okay. We get that. Let's just say that's a million people. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say 2 million
0: if we wanted to say
1: it's 2 million. Okay. So you would say, okay, we added 7.1, we lost 2 million. So we added 5 million for Mm -hmm. a whopping total. Now we have, let me guess 10 million people meeting weekly in Southern Should have between
0: eight and 10 would be a very conservative answer. Sure.
1: No, no, didn't happen. Okay. Let's say half of that. Let's say we added two and a half million. Hmm. Seven to seven and a half million. You'd think after 20 years, nope. Okay. Did we add a million people at least out of the 7.1, did we add a million? And the answer is no, this is going to blow your mind. And this was the pill when we actually had to swallow this. I remember where we were in our meeting when we found Hmm. these numbers with our task force. And I'm not indicting the Southern Baptist convention because I really believe this, you could find this in Methodism. You could find this in Presbyterian churches. You could find this in non denominant I mean you can find this in a lot of different churches today. Mm -hmm. What we found is that we were baptizing people, but we weren't helping them take ownership of their faith. We weren't helping them. Uh, we, we weren't teaching them what they were saved for. We spent a lot of time teaching them what they're saved from. Here's what happened, Chris. In 20 years after baptizing 7 million people, we actually lost, I think, 25,000
0: people in weekly attendance. We added no one. We, we literally lost people. So, so what we were saying with this process that we have in place, we can stay flat. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we said. We we can live with you.
1: If we keep doing what we've always done, we're going to keep getting what
0: we've always been getting. Uh, And and in a business world, the way they use these metrics, uh, their next step would be, okay, if we have to baptize 7 million to stay flat, then we need to baptize 10 or 20 million. But the problem with that is that's when you're seeing it as numbers. When you're seeing these individuals as people, it should change everything about how you're addressing this issue. Well, and here's what we're at-
1: saying. What we're saying is we're not saying we lack in our baptism numbers. What we're saying, what we're calling for in the book is keep baptizing at a high degree. Keep sharing the gospel at yeah. a high degree. Right. But if you start training people mm. that you already have and yeah. investing in the new people that you're welcoming in, sure. there will be a... An, an amazing, uh, exponential growth system or vehicle in your church for growth. Okay. So here's the way you think of it. Um, when you go into the military and Chris, you, you've been in the military. Okay. Correct. How many guys in basic training are you looking around saying, what are these guys doing here? Did you ever say that? I did.
0: Okay. And I looked in the mirror a couple of times and said Okay. Yeah.
1: Like, what am I doing here? Yeah. Okay. So you got guys at basic training and they're clueless. Like some of the guys are cadets and praise God for people serving that country, but a lot of guys don't want to be there. They're yeah. just trying to get their time and get out. And so they're not into it. They're just trying to, they're bucking the system. They're always getting in trouble. Where's the shot line? Are the shot lines are, okay. Where's the mess? You know, and then there's, so you've got a lot of those guys. But then you move through the ranks until you get to the trained SEALs, the Army uh, Force Recon. I mean, the, the Marine Force Recon. Now, that's that right. right. I like okay. that, yes. The Army way better ranges, than the other branches. Okay. Those guys, you don't have to tell uh, to wake up early. You don't have to motivate them to go out and protect. You don't have to spend a lot of time holding hands with those guys. Why? Because yeah. those guys are going to make things happen. Okay. Here's the thing I'm going to leave you with for the break. There are three types of people in your church. Those who watch things happen. Those who make things happen. And those who say what the
0: heck just happened. (laughs) We'll break those down right after this brief break. Well, over the past few decades, American churches have produced plenty of converts, but not as many mature believers. Studies show the majority of Christians don't even understand the basics of the faith. But how do you tackle such a big problem? We want to tackle that problem and help you address those issues by helping you create a culture of disciple-making right where you are through the book Replicate which comes out June 2nd at all of the places you can buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, Apple Books. Grab a copy, and if you want to today, you can go to ReplicateBook.com. You can pre-order there, but you can also pick up 100 free pages of the book right now, a downloadable free Jesus Commands poster, and you can start the Healthy Church Challenge and begin to gauge exactly where you are as a church and take steps to grow towards a disciple-making church. Check it all out at ReplicateBook.com. And we're back talking about replicate book. Uh, you mentioned three types of people and, uh, I want you to be able to explain those three types of people before I ask a couple of questions about some lines from the book. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying we're trying to move people
1: from consumerism, uh, spectator, uh, participate, you know, spectating uh, to participating. Okay. Yeah. And so what the Lord showed me years ago was what if you move those cadets, into trained navy SEALs, Marine Force Recon. Uh, you already have them anyway. So why yeah. not try? And if you if you just get one, I mean here's the question I always ask people. Do you want a thousand cadets mm. or do you want a hundred Navy SEALs?
0: I know what I know which choice I would take.
1: Yeah, I mean a thousand cadets look mm-hmm. great and man, you got a lot of bodies there, but you could send five trained Navy SEALs to do a mission and it's done. Okay. Right. And I'm not I'm not saying one, maybe I am saying one's better than the other, but what I'm saying is that's what we're doing with discipleship. We are moving people from casually attending, from uh, spectating from a distance, to being full Christ following, participating Christians who are living on mission, sharing the gospel, and reproducing Mm -hmm. their life. And so that's the case we're making here. What we're saying at the beginning of this book is Mm -hmm. could it be we have spent all of our time trying to make converts? that we have missed making disciples. Could it be, we have spent all of our time looking at baptism
0: as the finish line when actually Chris, it should be the starting line. Well, I'm looking at charts in the book. One of the cool things about this book is you personally did by hand, draw every chart, graph and picture inside this book. And knowing it's a book that I was going to co-write, I wanted lots of pictures in there. I like pictures in my books. And so it's awesome to see that you uh, drew some of these charts, but I'm looking at this SBC retention chart over 20 years that just explains. And it's mind blowing to see where we could be if we had a process. And one of the things we did, I worked at Lifeway for a while. And one of the things that we talked through, and I think it's it's uh, very relevant to what we're talking about right now, because it's why our people end up not growing as disciples, it's one of the reasons I should say is most churches have Sunday school, small group, or Bible study that's about an hour a week. Let's just say it's an hour a week. It can be two hours, but some, most of the time it's an hour a week. And if you look at a year's worth of that, if someone attends every single week, which we know for a fact that, that, that most don't, right? Perfect attendance doesn't happen often. But let's say they attended every single week. How many weeks uh, would they attend in one year? Yep. Fifty two. Easy yep. math, right? So if you look at the hours there, let's say you you don't you, let's say you miss maybe, you know, three, four weeks, just as a normal average human, you're sick, you have some uh thing going on, or it's a holiday, uh that you know, you're you're at vacation at the beach. So let's say forty-eight of the fifty-two weeks you meet. That would say that here here's what it all breaks down to forty-eight two days in a year, you're getting two days of discipleship. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, think of how, uh, every, which is not the norm, by the way, which is not I the norm. That's a, that's the highest level. Yeah. Probably but let's just, let's just say it's the highest level two days in one year, yeah. two days is the influence of how you're growing as a disciple. There is no wonder that we're looking at this chart and we're seeing that we're missing and actually declining even when we reach seven. And so I bring all those stats up to simply say there has to be a better process. And that's what we outline in the book replicate. And it's a, it's intriguing to see that this process isn't something that we made up. This process is something that Jesus made up. (laughs) This is what Jesus implemented. And so some of the cool, uh, uh, quotes, one of the things we did in this book is we pre underlined statements in the book. You know, when you read a book, a lot of times, you'll highlight some things we did the heavy lifting for you. So if you're, if you're a lazy highlighter, this would be very easy. Um, so here's one I wanted to read and, and uh, you can comment on, contrary to what we see in many churches today where salvation is essential, and discipleship is optional. The first century Christians took Jesus's commission seriously. Yeah. That, that was one that I thought was interesting because they actually took what he said and implemented it. We took what he said as a suggestion and set it aside. Yeah. So here's, here's where I got that from. or Here's where I, I thought about that. Let's set, let's
1: go back to Acts chapter two, mm-hmm. Jesus just left. The disciples are all alone. They got to figure this thing out themselves. Right. Peter's the self-appointed preacher. He mm-hmm. gets up to proclaim the message. This Jesus whom you've crucified is both God and Lord. What must we do to be saved? The people say, okay, what are we going to do? And, right. and I've talked about this extensively in other books, but this is actually a redoing of the curse of Babel, mm-hmm. by the way. So whole wow, the whole inside. I talk about and forgotten Jesus. I think it was yeah. so basically, uh, and we could probably talk about this more later, but they went up to a mountain in Babel speaking all the same language. God came down, cursed, They all left speaking a different language mm. in Jerusalem. They go up in Acts chapter two, all speaking different languages. God comes down and blesses. They all hear in the same or their language, which is kind of a reinstitution of the curse. Okay. So in the same way, uh, so that people are saying, okay, we hear, what should we do? Mm. And, and Peter and the disciples say, repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's the thing. They had all these mikvahs, these baptistries all around the steps of the temple. They repurposed them now as baptistries for Christ. And the question became, what do we do now? Now, if they were American Christians, they would have given them a Bible, open the John and we'll see you next week.
0: Hmm.
1: Okay. That's what we do. Okay. And right. we want, just, just think about it. We joke about that, but just think about that. That's like giving someone who doesn't understand how to take apart a space shuttle and they want to go to the moon. They come in for the first day of training and you hand them the NASA space shuttle book on how to take apart uh, a space shuttle. And we say, turn to page 1027 and just start there and see if you can figure it out. (laughs) Probably not the best. Do you have an engineering degree? No. Do you know what a uh, processor looks? No. Do you know a combustible engine? No. Oh, well, you'll be fine. (laughs) You'll be fine. We'll see you next week, Joe. Oh boy. Okay. Now that's probably not, it's far-fetched, but it's close. And we wonder why people go home and and they don't know what to do with their faith. Okay. So what I'm saying, what we're saying is when the disciples had this radical conversion experience in Acts 1, they Mm -hmm. spent time discipling the people they led to the Lord. Now (laughs) the difference is, and here's the big difference people don't think about. The big difference is, Chris. They had a lifetime of the Old Testament training in synagogue school. Mm. We don't have that luxury. So when people try to compare us to them, it really breaks down rather quickly. And the reason is these are kids who at the age of three and four were in yeshiva school Mm. learning the Torah. Learning the things of God, learning the the, the the reflex of God, learning the characteristics of God, learning how God is, learning the festivals and the feast, mm-hmm. so that when they get to the first century, when Jesus is proclaimed as the Messiah you've always been looking for, here's how I liken it: they come to Acts chapter two. Think about this: mm-hmm. with a manual of the Old Testament, all the prophecies, all the insights, the manual's not in their hand; it's in their heart. Mm-hmm. And the manual has Isaiah 53, the manual has Psalm 22, the manual has Psalm 23, the manual has Genesis three fifteen. Uh, the manual has the covenant with Abraham, Genesis, they know all this. The, the manual has Genesis 22 with uh, sacrificing, they know all this. Yeah. And when Peter says this line, this Jesus whom you crucified is both God and Lord and Savior basically of the world, the Messiah, here's what happens to their mind manual all of the blanks that were all of the the spots that were blank with a name for the Messiah were filled in immediately. Hmm. Okay. So in a sense you could say discipleship for the Jewish nation happened their whole life to prepare them for that moment. Now here's the problem with American Christianity. If we can just get on a soapbox for one moment before we're done one moment. The problem with American Christianity is we act like first century apostles leading 21st century Americans. What do I mean? We act like people who come to faith in Christ have that background, have that training, have those insights, know the Bible. They know nothing. They may know stories and things. Even if you're raised Catholic, like I was, you know the stories.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't know the Bible. Okay. Yeah. And, we, and we give them a manual. That is so overwhelming and never, uh, you, know, you can never search the end. I mean, it's just unbelievably yeah. overwhelming. And we expect them to read it hmm. and apply it. Wow. And, brother, pastor, minister, if you're listening, women's director, children's, if you're listening, student, pastor, listen, this lies, this is where the problem lies. And the problem is in the fact that we have expected more from our people. Than they are capable of doing early on in their Christian walk. That's why discipleship is a necessity, not
0: an option. Hmm. What's well, that's a great word. And all of that can be found in just a small part of part one, the problem with disciple making. Uh, there are three chapters in this short part, quick, easy read, but a lot more content than you just heard. How to lose 7 million people, the dangerous half gospel. Discipleship is evangelism. And then all that is summarized for the individual and for the church leader. So whether you're in ministry or you're just passionately pursuing Christ, this is going to be helpful for you. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about part two of the book. Until then, let someone know about the podcast. Text someone right now if you like it and say, hey, take a listen or rate us wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.